Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the People of Packaging Podcast. I am your host, the Packaging Pastor, Adam Peek. You can find me on LinkedIn at Adam Peek, P-E-E-K. I'm on YouTube uh, at Packaging is Awesome, on TikTok at Packaging Pastor, and right here on this podcast, the People of Packaging. Today, I have Anant Chaturvedi on from Uflex. It is a family-owned, incredible company that is making a difference in the world of flexible films and flexible packaging. You don't want to miss this. You can see what, uh, what they're up to over at uflexltd.com. We've got some great people helping out with this show. The first are my friends at Eco and Clothes. They have such an incredible team. It is your one-stop shop for eco-friendly shipping solutions. You can check out what Saloni and Kyle and their incredible team have built at ecoenclose.com, E-C-O-E-N-C-L-O-S-E.com. And of course, a longtime friend of the show, a great partner of ours, SpecRite. Listen, you better SpecRite because if you don't, you're going to guess wrong. Please learn more at specright.com backslash P-K-G, S-P-E-C-R-I-G-H-T.com backslash P-K-G. They just came out with their State of Sustainability Report. You want to check that out. I just posted about it on LinkedIn as well. All right. Well, that's all I got. Paid some bills. Keep this podcast rolling. Now let's get to my interview with Anant. Well, hey, everybody. I'm joined here by uh, a, a friend who I met at Pack Expo, actually, and we had set up, uh, I said, hey, we got to have you on the podcast. And it's it's been a little bit uh, since since we chatted, but I'm I'm so pleased to be joined by Anat. Oh, man. Uh, hang on. Uh, Chattervedi, right? Did I got get it? it? Got it. You got it. It's a, All you right. Know, first time home run. <laughs> first time home run, I should say. You know? I yeah. do. Um, and, and Anant uh, is, is the CEO of Uflex, and I'm excited to share with, with the listeners about what you're doing and kind of why, really why you decided to do it and what the company is doing and, and really this, this global initiative. So Anant, I'm, I'm really excited to have this conversation and thank you for taking some time to come on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Adam, for having me here. And uh, as you said, you know, I've, I've been eagerly waiting because I've, I've been listening to your podcast for a while now. So I was like, wow, you know, that's so, you know, it was one of my aims or one of my, I would say, goals in life to be on the, on, on, on the you know, on, on this podcast. So I'm happy that's, to finally be here. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, finally, right? Finally, I have exactly. someone who's like, I am so... Like this is what I want to do in life. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, you know, packaging podcasts, you you know, are far and few, uh, and especially good ones are sort of far and few. So it's it's uh, very exciting to be able to you know be here and, and have this conversation with you uh, because you know it's really about also just having a way to share some of these some of this information with the people you know people in general. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, if you're listening to this episode and you're like. It is my life goal to be on a packaging podcast. Aim higher in your life, please. <laughs> we can make that happen. <laughs> you can just hit me up. You can be on the podcast. It's fine. Uh, that's that's an easy attainable life goal. So, uh, well, check mark. <laughs> yeah, not, I'm I'm glad I'm glad that you have aimed higher, and you know you you and your team have built a product that I'm I'm excited to talk through. But why don't you just give the listeners a little bit of a background on on who you are and I know you live here in the States, you're in California, or you're currently in California, but you live in New York City, uh, or at least in New York. So uh, why don't you just give uh, give a little bit of an intro? Absolutely. I mean, um, you yeah, know, so my 
full name is Anand Sri Chaturvedi, Anand for short. Um, and, uh, you know, I've been involved with the uh, packaging business, I would say about, and time really flies, about 14 years now. Um, I joined this business, uh, quite honestly, very reluctantly <laughs> out of college because it was sort of a, a family business. And um, I really knew that, you know, like the godfather, once I was in, I couldn't get out, you know? So, so you know, I took my time um, sort of joining the business. I had lots of other jobs before. I worked in banking, consulting. Um, you know, I love cinema and movies a lot. So I, I had a little stint in, uh, um, in that world. Uh, but then, you know, I just finally ended up, um, you know, in the polymer world, primarily because uh, that was what the family business and family legacy was. Um, and the reason I stayed, Adam, was, very interesting because it's when I saw the first, I mean, I'd never seen an industry, um, at least one that I'd worked in, which was going through a, a complete revolution. You know, and it's very few times in life where you encounter something like that. I mean, it's like, it's kind of like, you know, computers in the 70s and 80s. It's kind of like biotechnology in the 90s and even now to a certain extent. Um, but really the entire business of packaging, um, and really it's what you say in some of your podcasts in the past, right? Uh, it's about survival and people don't realize that. And I saw that, you know, if, if things don't change on the ground level, forget about our business, the entire industry as, as a whole is not going to survive. Um, and that's the reason I jumped in. Um, Uflex was traditionally a converting sort of company, um, then went on to become a large film company. Um, but we're, we're sort of a very unique company because we do a lot of things in house. Um, and so there was this dramatic opportunity to really take sustainability, not only from one angle, but from multiple angles. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely going to do that. So uh, one question that I want to jump back to is you sort of, you kind of just like passed over this, like, and I had a little bit of a stint in cinema. Uh, what did that mean? <laughs> were you acting? Were you just oh, no, I produced. company? I produced. I, produce. I like, I mean, you know, I'd love to act, to be honest with you, but I don't think I'm pretty enough. But, you know, but, uh, but I like, uh, I like production, you know, um, um, I haven't really directed that many features, although I'm sort of warming up and building up to it. I've, uh, I've gone, I mean, I've done some classes and gone to summer school and stuff for that. But, uh, but yeah, I love, I love producing cinema. In fact, I have a small production company called the Gifted Screw-Ups in New York. Uh, and the reason why I called it the Gifted Screw-Up is, you know, the ter my therapist called me that like a couple of years ago. And I was like, well, that's not very nice thing to say, but, but, you know, but, but I, it's a cool name for a company. So I'm going to call it, yeah, yeah. I'm going to call it the name of my company. That's awesome. Well, do, you have, <laughs> do you have favorite? I mean, you mentioned like the Godfather is that sort of, do you have like a favorite genre or a type of movie that you really enjoy making? Oh, I honestly, I really enjoy sci-fi. You know, I, I think sci-fi is sort of where I know and I like technology. I like combining technology with sort of what's possible and stuff, but I'm very genre agnostic. You know, I'm, I'm working on a couple of projects on the side right now. And uh, one of them is sort of a romantic comedy of errors. Another one is sort of a, um, a tale of lost love. And, uh, you know, and another one is a script. I'm actually working on uh, getting off the market, which is sort of Titanic meets out of Africa, you know, sort of, you know, so. It's a, I'm very sector agnostic. For me, it's, it's important for uh, things to be made and to be seen on the big screen. And that's what excites me. You know? That's yeah. so cool. Uh, yeah. Well, I can't wait for, I can't wait for the, uh, the packaging drama. <laughs> we'll, we'll create our own sector. Yeah. Of... Plastic gate. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk more about that later. <laughs> we'll make, we'll make the Anant, uh, hang on, Anant Chaturvedi story called, uh, <laughs> 
called uh, the Plastic Man or something oh, like that. that. I don't know. Let's do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna peg in. Uh, I'm gonna peg in maybe John Hamm as, as, as to start in my leading role. But um, if he's interested, you know, we'll peg that off. You know? Yeah, I'll ask him. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll text him here real quickly. Yeah, it's fine. absolutely. Just talk to his agent. Yeah, as long as I as long as Matthew McConaughey can play me, then yeah. Yeah. I get I get that all the time. It's like oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I can see a little Brad Pitt in you, but you know you're gonna have to slur your 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 uh, your vowels a little bit. It's gonna be like uh, all right, all right, all right. Like you're gonna you're gonna have to do that a little bit for Matthew to pick it up, you know, or do a good chest chest beat. No, know? no, I, I have. <laughs> I have a face for podcasting. There's no doubt about it. So uh, I'll stick. I'll stick. I'll stick behind. I'll stick behind the mic and not uh, on an acting screen. Um, and and how long? How long ago did you get kind of back involved? Well, I guess how long has the family business been around? And when did you get yeah. involved? So let me tell you a little bit about that because it's quite a cool story. Um, you know, my father started this business. I would say like in the mid '80s and. And it's a real, you know, rags to riches story because he really started with nothing. Um, he had no capital. Uh, he had no access to capital. Um, and strangely enough, he even had really no background in packaging. You know, uh, it was just some sort of idea that he had seen um, and been influenced by really from, you know, outside of India at the time than inside. At that time, India packaging really meant metal boxes. It meant, you know, um, newspapers with jute wrap. You know, it meant a little bit of injection molding um, and it meant a lot of, um, you know, woven sort of packaging, you know, um, a sort of mixed fiber, mixed fiber sort of material. That was what packaging was. The concept of flexible packaging, the concept of how we sort of experience packaging today when we go to a grocery store and we pick up a product and, and you know, there's all kinds of different options. That was not retail didn't work in like that in India back then. It's still evolving right now, but it, you know, retail in India is still very primarily dominated by mom and pop sort of small stores, small format stores, not large format retailers. And with people going out on, on the weekend and, and sort of buying a basket full of goods, it was very sort of, you know, use, you know, buy as you use sort of market, right? You buy about smaller quantity, if you used it, you went back two weeks, a week later, uh, three weeks later to buy that, you know, detergent, soap, food, milk, whatever it was, you know. So he really changed the format of packaging. He introduced flexible packaging into the market and sort of was a pioneer in that. Um, and as, you know, when, as he started off life, you know, he started off life as a converter, um, which, you know, which really means, you know, converting raw material products into end products, you know. Um, but as he was scaling, he also noticed that there was no real good ink supplier at the time in India. There was no real good cylinder or flexoplate supplier. Um, there was a lack of engineering machinery and PRS. And then there was also a lack of film manufacturers. So Uflex naturally sort of vertically integrated itself, Flex naturally vertically integrated itself into all these different avenues. Hmm. Um, and that's actually also where our sustainability story started. So, you know, we started off life in, I would say the mid eighties, by the time the early 90s came along, you know, the company, my father, chairman, was making massive investments within uh, the packaging ecosystem, the plastic ecosystem. Um, and even back then, you know, his friends, some of his bankers, you know, some of his family came to him and said, you know, do you really want to invest this much money? in plastics. I mean, plastics have a, have a bad rap. Even back then, they have a bad future. There's, they're not sustainable. Um, you know, they, they pollute, they fill up landfills. Do you, is this something you really want to do? And 
he's, you know, at that time he looked around and he says, okay, you know, I mean, I'm committed uh, to this project. I'm committed to um, this, uh, you know, this industry, but what's the solution? I mean, when people are telling me that, oh, this should be a, uh, a potential, you know, there, there's all these problems with it. Well, let's go find a solution. So we spent, I would say, two years back then in the 90s looking for what's the most best solution for uh, the second life use of packaging or, you know, what, what can, what, how can packaging uh, or plastic packaging or plastics in general not be a burden on the world, uh, but be something that supports um, and adds to the best value um, for not only um, income and wealth, but also for people's life and lives and health. Um, and we didn't find a solution. It's funny enough, there's no solution. So we went back and we created a concept of mechanical packaging combined with other aspects that I'll dig into in a little bit. That really was the baseline of us saying, okay, you know, for us, packaging is a sustainable you know, material. It has endless uses. Um, it has very little wastage. And it's very optimized from a cost of energy um, and a cost of uh, um, process point of view. How do we scale that? You know, um, but and it took us, I would say, thirty-six years to get to the point where the world was interested in the solution that we had invented back then. We got the Davos Award uh, back then in nineteen ninety-five for the solution that we had invented, but it took a while, you know, for. Uh, the world to really pay attention. I would say only, only a couple of years ago that people really start focusing on what we had done back then. And plastics had a much longer life than people imagined, <laughs> even as traditional fossil fuel-based plastics. But now the world is changing. Yeah, yeah. And, and where, um, I guess kind of where are your, I want to get into that solution actually, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but just had a few kind of like interesting questions around like, so you, you mentioned your your father was in India, are you still primarily based uh, manufacturing hub in India? I know you're here in the U.S., but yeah, yeah, um, no, we are. We have nine global locations now, Adam. Uh, one of the things that we did in I would say the early 2000s was we decided to venture out uh, and become a multinational company. So today we have you know nine different locations. Pretty much, if you look at India, we went westwards from India. You know, so we entered Dubai, Egypt, um, you know, Europe, the U.S. Um, CIS region, um, and then we have, you know, we have a, um, a, some foil making facilities in Bangladesh. Okay. You know, yeah. Very good. Uh, where in the U.S.? Uh, because we, mostly U.S., Europe, and actually India are the three places where this podcast uh, is most listened to. So right, right. Um, where, where are you uh, manufacturing here? U.S., we're based out right outside of Louisville in Kentucky. Um, so, you know, we have a, in a small town called Elizabethtown. E-Town, it, uh, it became famous for uh, a movie, strangely enough. I don't know whether you've seen the movie or not, but there's a movie called Elizabethtown or E-Town, I think is the name of the movie. And Elizabethtown, Elizabethtown is the name of the movie. But that's that's the town where we're at, you know? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, we manufacture here out, out of Mexico as well, the Gulf of Mexico. Europe, we have uh, two locations, Poland and Hungary. Okay, very good. Yeah. Um, so let's get into this this uh davos award winning you know mid 90s technology that the world is now sort of just waking up to sure. uh, especially in the packaging industry so what was so innovative about it obviously then and how has that continued to innovate to where it is today well, what is it first of all um so you know we there's really four pillars of it and i i'll get into what it is but before that 
let's get into why, right? Um, so Adam, what people don't understand about packaging and plastics in general, or any kind of environmental hazard, whether that's greenhouse gases, whether that's population, uh, overpopulation, you know, um, it, we have a stock and a flow problem, right? There's the stock of product that exists, you know, stuff like this that's already been manufactured and is in use. Um, and then there'll be, you know, there'll be a flow of new products that are being made today, whether they are flexible packaging related, whether they are, um, you know, food or pharma related, whether they're automotive or transportation or, you know, furniture or other kind of, you know, polymers that get made. So you have to solve, when, you, when you're talking about solving a problem, you have to solve both act equations. You have to solve the stock problem. What do we do with this stuff that's been made already and that's already in use? And then what do we do with stuff that's being made today? You know, is there a way to make that better so we don't add to the stock? Is there a way to make that better that we don't create a bigger problem? Um, and that's the holistic way to sort of think about, uh, you know, what the plastic conundrum is, right? For us, that's what we addressed. The, mecha the mechanical recycling product that we made in the early uh, 90s addresses the stock problem. It takes all kinds of plastic waste, um, including multi-layer plastic waste, which is something that no one really uh, does effectively. And it makes it into alternate products. It makes it into core plugs that get used in uh, our ecosystem. It, it makes it into furniture. It makes it into uh, road dividers. It makes it into, you know, as many products as you want to see fit. Um, really, the, you know, this technology, the way, I'm, the way I'm making it sound, it sounds a little bit old and antiquated um, because it's like, oh, you know, you're just taking um, raw materials and, and making sort of injection molds and giving a pro you know, that plastic product a second life. Uh, but it's a little bit more innovative than that because our aim here is not to become a giant plastic recycling company. Our aim here is to encourage thousands, hundreds of thousands of entrepreneurs all over the world to take this waste, this natural waste that their society, whichever society they're living in, whichever income level they're consuming these, these products at, um, is producing and make it into something useful as a second life, as opposed to it littering the streets, as, it, as opposed to it littering landfills and, mm -hmm. and, and other places, right? Oceans and water and all sorts oceans of Oceans and water, right? Um, exactly, exactly. You know, ending up in marine waste and, and causing all kinds of issues, you know? The second aspect of this entire uh, project, and we call it Project Plastic Fix. And the reason I called it Project Plastic Fix was, you know, I feel like the world is addicted to plastic and everybody needs their fix. Um, but at the same time, it's a fixable problem. Mm -hmm. you know, it's something that we can resolve. Uh, and I'll get more into that later in terms of what the quantum of investment and what the timeline of solving this problem will look like. Um, the second aspect is a very common aspect, um, which is, um, you know, we use, um, um, you know, we use a combustion technology and inorganic um, uh, combustion technology that produces no uh, um, extra waste of pyrolysis to basically convert polymer into energy. Uh, this has been done, of course, and it's been done all across the, the, the globe. We do it in a very effective, efficient manner. Um, and really sort of in this, this solution, the pyrolysis solution is very applicable, I would say, to uh, countries that are upcoming in their economic, uh, economic spectrum. You know? So countries where energy requirement is 
um, very, uh, you know, very uh, dire. Those are the countries that will apply this. You know, the third aspect is uh, PCR, right? Um, and we use, uh, we have our own sort of brand of PCR films called Achelsius. The reason why also uh, we named it Achelsius because that's the Greek god of medicine. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of like our way of healing the earth, right? And we make a Kingfisher certified 100% PCR Achelsius product, right? So we're the, you know, we're one of the only filmmakers in the world that makes uh, a product that's endlessly, you know, endlessly in a, in a, in a, in a value added loop in an endless cycle. You know, our, our, literally our customers send us the material, we reprocess it back and we make it back into film to send to them, you know? Um, and we've done some case studies with the uh, customers like UPM, um, you know, who, who I know you've participated with. We've, we've worked with them in the past. Uh, and, you know, there's, there's, there's public, you know, this, this Googleable published case studies out there that you can look at on this, you know? Uh, and the last aspect of this entire pro project line is um, our biodegradable enzyme. You know, and our biodegradable enzyme uh, is a, you know, so the first three, if I tell you, the first three are stock problems. Mm -hmm. The last one is a flow problem, right? When someone consumes polymer today, uh, you know, we as manufacturers cannot guarantee where that will end up. We don't know whether that's going to end up in the right place in the recycling center. We don't know whether it'll end up in a landfill. We don't know whether it'll sit in there. You know, sometimes plastic products just sit in people's houses for years you know, without getting consumed. Weirdly enough, happens with food products as well, depending on what food you're going to buy, you know. Um, but if you're not allowed to have, you know, a certain amount of sugar and you bought a very high sugar product in a big jar, it's going to take you some time to consume that. You know, you're not going to consume that in six months, eight months. It might take you, you know, longer than that, depending on, of course, the, uh, the freshness and effective, um, you know, the, uh, uh, the, the expiry date of the product, of course, you know. But sometimes things just last. So how do you make sure that that product de degrades? That's our bioenzyme solution. You know, that's when we say, okay, let's program this to, you know, auto degrade into biomass, become glucose, uh, not microplastic. You know, what, you have to be a little careful about that, that we're not talking about degradability of oxobiodegradability. I, I personally think, and I can, I can tell you the company thinks, you know, oxobiodegradability is a farce. Yep. You know, you're, you're just, adding to the problem you're not solving anything you're adding to this you just problem. don't see it but you might be tasting it you might be eating it but it's not yeah i totally agree with you yeah. so I'm, yeah. I'm glad you cleared that up absolutely so for us it's biomass so holistically if you look at the four aspects you know you look at the mechanical recycling part paralysis you look at a celsius the pcr aspect and last but not least you look at the biodegradable aspect and we actually have a, an actual product on store shelves today that we're beta testing in India that has a biodegradability rate of 40% in the first year, hmm. you know? So this is not just theory that I'm talking about. This is real, you know, this is all of these, uh, you know, uh, project initiatives are live today, you know? Um, we have a PCR plant in Russia, uh, sorry, in uh, Mexico. We have a PCR plant in um, Poland. We have a PCR plant in India. Um, you know, so these are live, um, uh, you know, examples. It's not just theory. Yeah, yeah. So th that is, uh, it's exciting to, to hear you talk about the holistic nature of, of the problem. And, you know, you kind of mentioned some of these timelines. I mean, having, so I've spent very little time in the flexible packaging space. Right. Uh, most of my professional packaging career has been in 
paperboard, folding cartons, uh, labels. That's where I know the folks from UPM Raffle Tech from. Um, spent a, about a year and a half in flexible films. And I know I got that question all the time about uh, backyard compostable films. I got questions about PCR. And I didn't know, you know, you're telling me there's a 100% PCR film yes. that, that you all make. I didn't know that that was a thing that was available. Like, right. I didn't know that there was a uh, a film that is, you know, is, is I, I, don't, I don't know about the biodegradation of it, but that, you know, may, maybe it's industrial compostable. I don't know what the what the qualifications are, but at the very least, that if it ends up in a place that it's not supposed to be, it's not going to be harmful to the overall environment because it's going to eventually degrade into glucose. So um, I'm, I'm curious about then how do people in our industry learn about this? So there, there are customers, I'm telling you, and you already know this probably, at least here in the US, I can only speak for, there are brands out there all over the place right now today saying, we need to go to 100% PCR. We need to go to 100% biodegradation in our flexible films. And, and I don't know that they all know that you all exist, even though you've been around for 30, however many years. Yes. So how would, how, as we're kind of wrapping up the interview here, like, first of all, I wanted you to touch on the timeline that you're looking to, like where you're trying to go with this. Sure. And also just how do people get to, how do people get samples? How do they get in touch? Do you work through the big converters? Do, you, do they talk to you directly? How does that all work? Right. So I'll, I'll give you, you know, the, 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 the easy answer is, Adam, we, sh- we need more people tuning into this podcast so that people, people you know, you get the word out there. But that's a key, you know, that's a key dilemma. Um, uh, I'll be honest with you, that's something that I have uh, uh, sort of struggled with over the last couple of years because, and I, you know, and I don't blame the big companies or anything like that. They are caught in a dilemma as well. See, the dilemma they have is oil is very predictable, you know, um, when you talk about having a fossil fuel base to a product, you know, you, you have an 80 year, 90 year history of that. You can predict cycles, you can this, even what's going on today. All this is predicted by some model out there, you know? So when you're talking to these large companies, yes, it's, you know, it's easy to go out there and, and sort of say, you know, we're going to be PCR free. Uh, oh, sorry, we're going to be 100% PCR by 2035. We're going to be completely sustainable by 2040, right? Or 2045, whatever timelines people adhere to. Uh, but then when you start working backwards from those timelines, you say, okay, what are the changes that I need to make today? And the truth is the changes that, you know, that need to be made today um, risk their current supply chain, right? Because you also have to understand most of these companies, uh, these CPGs, these FMCG companies, they're deploying millions of products, millions of units on an everyday basis yep. to make sure that the stores, store, uh, stores are you know, full of their product. And we can see even small you know, gaps in the supply chain, what the world is facing right now, how that causes you know, empty, store, empty store shelves. You know? um, so they can't risk that. They're in a bit of a, they're a, bit of a you know, caught between a rock and a hard place where they have to make the shift towards sustainability, but they also have to guarantee product today. So when I look at it, you know, I, you know, we are starting, when we work with our customers, when we work with our, uh, our, our, our partners, we start with small SKUs. You know, we start with SKUs that uh, don't have as much of an uptake initially as other ones do, right? And then, you know, you go, you start from small and you grow big, right? You have to make sure that the world understands 
that there is raw material security when it comes to sustainable uh, you know, products. Mm -hmm. There is raw material security when it comes to plant-based uh, polymers, you know, um, and so on and so forth. So I think that's the one big gap. The second is if you look at the timeline, I can honestly tell you, if done at full scale and if done at, 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 a, at a decent investment uh, rate, the, the polymer problem, the way we deal with polymers today can be solved within 30 years, right? That's the timeline that I see today, looking at the capital that's needed to, to go into the market today. The key problem is, A, who's gonna pay for it? Right? And by, by that, I mean, who's going to pay for the capacity? Who's going to pay for the recycling capacity? You know, uh, And B, uh, are, are consumers really going to vote with their you know, local currency, whether it's dollars, whether it's pound, whether it's rupees, whether it's uh, yen, whatever it is, are they going to vote with that currency for sustainable products? Once you see the advent of these two factors come along, things change very, very quickly. You know? mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, it's similar to saying, you know, every time we get in a car now, we put on a seatbelt. It's not a question. It's not a debate that we have with ourselves that, oh, are we going to do this or not? It's the same that's going to happen in the future. All plastic, it'll be sourced from, uh, you know, a, a, re, a, a sustainable source and we'll have a sustainable life. Mm, you know, yeah, I, um, it's just getting to that point. I'm, I'm, I'm in full agreement there. And, you know, I think that we're even seeing governments, uh, national and state, Governments are stepping up to yes. to play their part in it as well, yes. uh, and there's there's debate about whether that's good or bad. But whatever it, whatever you think about the government interaction with sustainability, it's not going to go away. So being prepared, uh, knowing about partners like Uflex uh, that exist out there, I think is really really important and critical. Um, so Anant, this has been this has been fascinating. I loved so much your stock and flow problem and how you how you articulated that 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 totality of attacking uh the, or or what you got the plastic fix right like yeah project plastic fix yes yeah yeah using those two things uh, for me at least really really resonated with my brain and and made me excited to know that there is a uh, not just a person like you but a whole company with nine different locations across the world that is that is right now in the middle of of being a big part of that, having spent time in Europe and Africa and uh, China and in India, I know that this is not just a U.S. problem. This is a global problem. And so, you know, kudos to you and your team for attacking it from a global standpoint. So for those people, Anant, who are listening to this, they're like, I totally agree. I need to know more. I need to connect up. How do, how do they get, what's the best way for them to either connect up with Uflex, uh, connect up with you personally? Is there, a, what, how would people get in touch with you? Because I, I suspect that there's going to be a lot of folks who are going to go, like me, what? This exists? I need to know more. How do I get, how do I get involved? Yeah. Well, you know, just go to our website. Honestly, we, you know, we have, you know, it's either flexzone.com or uflexltd, any one of those, you know, send an inquiry. Um, honestly, we're very accessible. If you're in the polymer world, if you're in the CPG world, you know we, we have booths in every big trade show. That's where we met the first time in Pack Expo. Um, you know, that's actually one, in one of the Pack Expos is where my brother created this stock and flow analogy. So I have to give him credit uh, for creating that. You know, but we're you know we're a very accessible company. But 
the key, you know, and obviously all of us are, uh, you know, searchable on, on LinkedIn. Um, but for us, you know, what's important is people know that this exists out there. People know, I mean, converters today should know that they can send a company like us their trim waste, and we will we will make sure that that you know ends up in a in a product of wealth, not in waste. Mm. Uh, but it's you know for us, you know, eventually our goal is to, you know, to have a, a recycling center, you know, in every town, in every, you know, two in big towns or three, in, you know, two or three in, in every county to make sure that, you know, you can go to your local entrepreneur. You don't need Uflex for this. You don't need Flex Films for this. That's, that's not our target. Our target is to put these solutions out there so that we can innovate in future materials as a company uh, and do, you know, cooler things as, as time goes forward um, and start with this one base, you know, really, really cool thing that the world needs today. Totally agree. Anand, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for all that you're doing to push uh, sustainability when it comes to polymers and flexible films. And I'm, I'm glad to know you. I'm hopeful to meet up again at, uh, at, one, at an event. I'm not sure... I don't, I don't hardly even know what I'm doing next week. So <laughs> I'm sure we'll meet up at one of, at, at a package show or something here very soon. Absolutely. Um, so the next so time much. I run into Matthew, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pitch him our idea, you know, so see if he bites. Oh yeah. Mr. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mr. McConaughey. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, that'll be, that'll be awesome. We're going to make a packaging movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Right, well. It's well, like the he did the Dallas Cowboys, you know? so he's done farm already. We'll say this is just one step, you know. What if it's the journey through recycling? It's like this hero's journey of like yeah. going through this this like metamorphosis that was like waste, and now it's been diverted into wealth. We could call it, we could call it that. I don't know. I'm just, I'm exactly. just. I like that. But... I like that. I'm gonna use that right. as part of the pick stick there. Like <laughs> <that>. <laughs> well, okay. and, and you know, obviously Matthew McConaughey listens to every one of these podcasts, so. You know, Matthew, you, know where to, you know where to hit me up. Um, I'll be in. I'll be in Austin soon. Uh, <laughs> awesome. I appreciate you so much. Thanks. Thanks again for coming on. Thank you, Adam. Thanks for having me. Hey, that wraps up another edition of the People of Packaging podcast. It would mean so much if you would like and share, rate, review, subscribe, because we want to change the world. Because we believe that packaging is awesome. <laughs>